So hi, Jerome Byrne. Um, fantastic to be able to talk to you today. Thank you so much for coming to join us. Hi, well, uh, thanks for inviting me. Delighted. And um, for those of us, um, for well, for our, our readers who follow what we do, they'll know you and they'll know that we are longtime friends and colleagues. But right. um, for the new people joining us today, um, can I just say that um, Jerome Byrne is... Um, is a, is a health journalist and uh, an investigative journalist of um, some repute. And um, Jerome, I'd just love you to give a very brief overview <laughs> of um, your background and how you've um, got to the point that you are today. Okay. Um, yeah, I've always been a journalist, sort of doing jobbing journalism forever and ever. And I started specialising in, um, well, originally in psychology and then uh, in nutrition and health and so on and I just got uh, from a journalistic point of view I got intrigued by the contradictions and the statements that there was lots of evidence for things and then I'd poke into stuff and see that there wasn't and um, so I've spent about the last 20 years being indignant um, and writing for a variety of papers but more recently for the Daily Mail and covering things like antidepressants and statins and so on where there's a lot of background debate about how useful they are and how safe and so on and now obviously the whole story around vitamin c and statins i'm sorry vitamin c and the virus is absolutely a brilliant example of that kind of conflict going on it is and we love the fact that you've been so indignant because <laughs> uh, you're you're like a dog with a bone <laughs> So yes, I have done three posts on it in the last month or so, so it's a bit <laughs> excessive. I'm sure other readers are getting fed up. But Not at all. Um, so your blog is um, Health Insight UK, and uh, uh, in, in the links below this, um, this video... Healthinsightuk.org. Dot .org. Yeah. And um, we'll have that all in the links um, underneath, okay. and so you'll be able to go straight there and read Jerome's post. But Jerome, that's exactly what we want to talk about today. Um, is vitamin C and um, what we what we see occurring because um, I think it's no secret now that there is um, widespread censorship um, on um, on Google on social media um, posts are being removed um, and it seems that our freedom of speech is being quite dramatically curtailed so um, organic searches for this kind of information are likely to turn up less and less information unless you know where to go. So obviously our website um, has carried articles on this, but um, please, can you just dive in a little bit to your latest blog and bring it alive for us all? <laughs> um, yes, well, I got um, the business of, of this information being blocked was something that I mean, it, it tells you that there's a problem because the idea that it makes sense to block information about uh, a key player in your immune system at a time when there are literally hundreds of thousands of people with the at the risk of a serious infection is just a, it's very odd unless you think, well, there must be other reasons than simply because it's, it's not good information. Um, and so I started, uh, I've talked quite a lot with um, Patrick Holford, who is a, a nutritionist who I've written a couple of books with and so on. So we sort of, you know, talk about this and, and he's got quite a lot of contacts and so on. Um, 
essentially it seems to me that the root of the problem um, is a that doctors don't get any information on nutrition and so although we're told to go and talk to a doctor if you have any concerns about supplements or anything it's really not a good idea and um, they're wonderful for certain things for crises for things for which there are good effective treatments but when it comes to nutrition um, and particularly with supplements uh, their view is that they're largely a waste of time and um, you shouldn't bother with them and you can see um, doctors talking on BBC and, and writing in newspapers saying it's, it's really um, no benefit and so on. And I think the root of the problem with vitamin C in particular is that because the medical profession thinks in terms of treatments and drugs where you have a, a very important the dose, you have a fixed dose of how much is useful, um, and vitamin C isn't like that. Vitamin C has one dose, which everybody knows about, which is the um, basic amount you need to stay healthy. And we talk about healthy balanced meal and you need about, uh, well, it varies a bit, something like 70 to 80 milligrams, which is a couple of oranges. And as long as you get those, your system rolls along and you're healthy and so on. Um, uh, but- well, I, th I think if I, instead of healthy, <laughs> um, you don't have an evidence of scurvy and you're not in deficiency pathology but I think yes. <laughs> it, yeah you're, you're absolutely right that the the sort of marker for um, uh, how much you need is based on the, the what needs to what you need to stop you developing scurvy sort of safely with a reasonable margin and so on which is great although of course uh, you have to be quite um eccentric in your eating to to be getting scurvy these days but it's similar to the problems with vitamin d which is another big um, uh, immune system uh, vitamin um, and the levels that you're required to get there is to keep your bones healthy which again is is not enough to work for the immune system so it's this idea that people think well vitamin c healthy balanced diet, a couple of oranges, done and dusted, which is fine if you're healthy and, and that'll stop you getting scurvy and, and probably do other things as well. But vitamin C is a key player in the immune system. So when you're under attack, either you've had a lot of stress or you've got a, a virus and so on, then the vitamin C, you know, the troops are called in. They, they have a lot, of to, a lot of work to do. They need to uh, help to create more of the um, leukocytes, the white blood cells which fight off infections. Um, and they uh, are, are very busy once the infection gets going with damping down um, inflammation and um, also dealing with oxidants, which are the rather damaging uh, results of uh, when the when the body is fighting the virus they produce oxidants which um, damage the virus and the virus also so there's a sort of storm going on there of oxidants, and vitamin c is involved in in um, damping that down um, because it's that inflammation which does a lot of the damage to the if you have with the virus um, if you've got lots of inflammation in your lung and it isn't put under control, that's when you get long-term um, problems with, with people taking a long time to recover from the, uh, from the virus. Um, 
So the, the, what this means is that the idea that you give large doses to people once they've got an infection makes absolute sense um, because if you don't get if you don't get what you can what, what you need the body keeps on drawing on what few resources you have because we can't make or store vitamins uh, vitamin c um, and the result is that you actually can develop scurvy and there's been a couple of papers that have come out in the last couple of years uh, one by an American, another by a New Zealand researcher, um, where they've looked at their patients with um, sepsis, which is a sort of dysregulation of the immune system with a lot of um, damage going on, a thing called a cytokine storm, which is the, um, the, the, the sort of immune system goes haywire and starts overproducing and causing damage. Um, and when you, um, which of course, getting scurvy in these patients makes absolutely no sense if you're wedded to the oranges idea because you know how and why are these people so low and the idea that a large proportion of people with um, pneumonia or or um, these uh, stress result, uh, effects from the, uh, the, the, the vitamin c is fighting the idea that this should be external it's got nothing to do with what you're happening in your body it just doesn't make sense and it's a clear demonstration that it's lack of vitamin c in high doses that is causing the problem so once people understand the need for um, a high dose when you're really ill then things become a lot clearer um, and in fact there and does obviously seem... obviously it's a water-soluble vitamin as well so the you know the safety margin is massive because your body uses what it wants and it excretes what it doesn't want um with, with with very little adverse effect other absolutely than i mean the the people who are using it and and there are uh, now about um six or eight uh, critical care um, physicians in america who've formed a group and put out protocols and so on and their reports as one of them um uh, who a guy called uh, professor marrick paul marrick um in an american university of east virginia um and he and another have over the last few months treated about a hundred patients with uh, the uh, combination of vitamin c and uh zinc and uh hydrocortisone a, um, uh, a one of, which is what the body produces in response to stress the damp down things and what they worked out is you need to have some more on top of that um, and they've been, and, uh, just confirmed Jerome they've been using intravenous vitamin C as well as oral doses yes the when if you want to avoid or cut your risk of developing uh, catching the virus then having a certain amount of vitamin C to begin with you know uh, you know two three grams a day for people who certainly people who are at risk makes a lot of sense um, uh, which you can take orally but once you get up to the, um, the the high doses which have been found to be effective we're talking about 20 25 grams uh, during a day probably taken in two or three uh, groups um, 
then you have to do that intravenously. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to get it uh, orally and, and there are professional debates about which works better and so on. But um, I, th I, think, um, I, I, I think you can um, get up to that level um, yeah. orally if you divide the doses. And um, there definitely seems to be different schools of thoughts um, in, in terms of this is that um, the mechanism is just slightly different. But, yes. um, but, but, but as you've indicated, um, we desperately need vitamin C, um, ascorbic acid is vitamin C, and um, it ends up being um, recycled um, through the body time and time again. So it's not the case that you just take one dose and then it's, and then it's gone out of your system again. You will find that different cells are recycling it and using it. Lots of our immune cells really need this. But um, the, um, you get certain mechanisms um, with the oral form of vitamin C, um, like you know, massive um, anticoagulation, um, which is one of the problems with um, SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. And um, you, you also um, have a very big anti-inflammatory effect. Uh, it also really helps with some of the cellular damage that's causing um, the inability to um, exchange oxygen, but the um, but there's another mechanism that you don't get with the oral dose so that you get with the intravenous dose, which is the creation of hydrogen peroxide, which is what is so incredibly antiviral. So I I'm just I'm really interested in what you've looked at recently because you've really been studying what some of these doctors in the front line in America, um, like Professor Marek, um, are, are doing and where they're combining the two together. Yeah, but well, there's really quite a lot going on with vitamin C is a sort of the basis for it, simply because it is such a key player and, and does the various things that you talk about um, with um, boosting this and, and it helps uh, some of the, the, the um, body's immune fighters to, to it, it's actually part of their development when a, a, um, uh, a virus gets a hold, vitamin C will be helping the production of them and, and then it does get recycled through. There's one quite very interesting thing which has just emerged, which is that um, in fact the adrenal glands, which are the ones that respond to stress and, and produce mm -hmm. cortisol, um, which for damping down the infl inflammation, also is a place where um, vitamin C is stored. We, we, the general idea has always been that you can't store it. It does seem to be stored in the uh, adrenal glands. And there have been some rather dramatic measurements showing very, very high levels of vitamin C briefly coming out from the adrenal glands measurements in the, in the blood and so on. Mm. So that sort of, that, it's, don't want to get too technical, <laughs> but there is a debate about whether you should give uh, cortisone to people and, and the WHO have said you shouldn't. Um, what Marek and his uh, companions have found is that it actually makes a lot of sense and you need to bring the two of them together because the inflammation is so important to damp down. But what you're, what you're, what's interesting about all of that is that what you're doing is you're doing what the body does. So you're giving people um, vitamin C in high doses, which is what the body would be doing. Slight um, sidebar, um, we are one of the few animals that can't make vitamin mm. C. And if you 
are a, a dog or a goat or whatever, and you get ill and you have infections, you make large quantities of vitamin C to fight it off. So we're kind of making up for the fact that we've lost it. There was somewhere back in the non-human primates we lost it. Uh, exactly why is a disputed, but we did. Um, and so what we're actually doing with this protocol is a boosting immune system, which is what the body's designed to do, and calling on cortisol from the adrenal glands, which is also what the body is meant to do. So it's, it's um, this is perhaps why it's so um, alien for doctors, is that what the doctors do is give drugs which aren't what the body does, but knock off something or boost something else. Um, and uh, so th this, is why it's such a safe procedure is because you're actually just imitating what the body does. You probably shouldn't take uh, the drug version of uh, cortisol for too long, but certainly in, in a short term for an in, fighting off an infection, it, as far as one can tell, it's absolutely fine. And the really striking thing is that the uh, American teams who are doing this uh, are reporting they haven't done uh, randomized controlled trials and they haven't published data on it yet because this is a fast-moving situation but what they're reporting um, is that they have now given this protocol with the, uh, the vitamin C and the uh, cortisol um, and maybe some uh, blood thinner because there are, as you were mentioning there are problems with coagulation and so on um, and they've treated now about 100 patients with this who were serious patients in ICU, um, some on ventilators, and they've had two deaths. Just for comparison, here in the UK, people who are in ICU or, in, or particularly on ventilation, the death rate is about 50-50. Exactly, we've um, got so some of the worst. Um, need to improve that. We do, we've got some of the worst survival rates. And yeah. um, one of the biggest travesties that's going on is that um, you know journalists like you, organisations like ours, um, doctors in this country that um, really understand about vitamin C are doing whatever they can to try and get the information to the powers that be in this country, and it is falling on incredibly deaf ears. And yet, we have um, clinical data coming out of the front lines from China, from America. Um, that is showing us that it's a game changer and um, that is a deep level of frustration for all of us involved really isn't well, it? Well there are two um, sort of steps forward on that which actually uh, well one I've written about in the, the latest blog um, came out yesterday which is that for about the last month or so people have been wanting to get vitamin C tested they what they they were saying look look what's happening in china look what's happening elsewhere um for god's sake you've got a whole load of patients it's not going to do them any harm uh, just give it a try run a sort of quick dirty simple trial. trial to see what happens um there's been no response at all from the nhs complete blank wall on it um and as of the week last weekend a document appeared on the website, on the, on the, on the web, um, which was from the big trial, which is being done. There's a huge trial called um, REMAP uh, CAP, 
Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember what it stands for now, um, but it involves something like 7,000 uh, patients and there's a whole list of drugs that they're testing on it. This big trial with these 17,000 people um, is uh, testing a range 19 drugs in rather complicated ways in a variety of countries. It's in the States, there are units doing it here, there are some in uh, New Zealand and so on. And what was announced last weekend was that they were going to um, put vitamin C on the list. So it is now formally tested and they're really due to be tested. I don't think it started yet. Um, and the really interesting thing about that was that as part of doing that, they produced a very, I say they, the people who are involved in setting this up, and there's a, several centers with it. And I'm trying to find out a bit more about it. But um, they put together a very good case to say why this makes sense. And they were very clear about this is a, a very safe intervention. Uh, it's not going to do any harm. It's uh, uh, targeting directly the immune system, which is in trouble clearly with a, uh, an infection and so on. And they, a lot of the papers that um, you and I are familiar with um, are there in this document saying this is why it needs to be tested. So how, at what rate the NHS will uh, get on board with that and say, yes, well, actually there is evidence and we really do need to do something with it. The downside to it is that it won't report until uh, 2022. Um, so no hurry there. <laughs> then. No. But the other thing, uh, just quickly, is that the this evening, UK time, seven o'clock, yes. there is a presentation to Congress by one of the doctors who've been making, uh, working very closely with Professor Marek about the, this protocol, about using vitamin C and saying, look, just like the UK, New, New York and America has terrible uh, rates of survival on ventilators and so on. And the idea that you just ignore vitamin C um, is insane. And, and one of the arguments people make is, oh, we don't have the we don't have the randomized control trials for it. We have to be careful. And then they're trying nine, the 19 drugs that are being tried. None of them have any trials at all to show that they do anything uh, against uh, COVID. Well, that is the double standard world that we live in today, yeah. though, because let's face it, um, vitamin C is cheap as chips and isn't going to earn anyone any money. And, um, and yet drugs are not so cheap and they have patents on them and you're in a different ball game one of the things that i'd just like to mention though um it is amazing that there's more trials coming out and people are looking at iv vitamin c um particularly um there's obviously a whole um suite of benefits that you get by taking oral ascorbic acid um we are just releasing um alongside this another video today to look at more of the mechanisms to do with vitamin C. So you'll be able to click on the other video in this article and, um, and have a little bit you know, more um, of the sort of physiological and biochemical data on that. But I think a word on the intravenous vitamin C is that dosage is critical because um, we, we know from doctors who are very experienced with IVC in this field that, that um, the sweet spot for 
um, hydrogen peroxide reaction um, down at that cellular level only happens when you're over about 20 to 25 um, grams of vitamin C. Actually, if, can, if I could just ask a question. Yeah. Because I know that um, vitamin C does t turn into hydrogen peroxide, but I think there might be, I mean, I'm slightly con confused about where it does this because hydrogen peroxide is quite a, a, a poisonous um, Well, it's a, it's a disinfectant. It's a disinfectant, yeah. but it's one that our body actually makes. And, um, and that, that, is the, that is the reason um, for why it is so incredibly antiviral. And it's why you see some doctors um, looking at some of the dosages that have been used um, for COVID-19 and thinking that they're too low to actually create that very special reaction um, that gives you that antiviral disinfectant effect. And, um, and so there's different ways of doing it. If you are using much lower doses and then you're pulsing them in um, through the day, you can get up to that level. Um, otherwise, you know, you go in at a, at a higher level anyway. So I just wanted to, um, you know, put in people's minds that, you know, dosage here is really important. And I know we wrote um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, reporting on protocols that other integrative medicine doctors are using in the US. Um, you've looked at um, some doctors in the front line in the hospitals, but we've also looked at um, doctors who are functioning out of their clinics and um, they've been using intravenous ozone, intravenous vitamin C, and they've actually been having their patients nebulize um, hydrogen peroxide and actually be breathing it in through a nebulizer. And they haven't lost any patients either. And I haven't had another, two weeks ago, they'd also treated over 100 patients. Um, they had people pulling into their parking lot and they were literally hooking up to IVs in the parking lot and then doing a whole range of self-care at home um, with nutrients because obviously, um, you know, something else that doesn't get talked about in the mainstream is that every stage of our immune response is mediated by nutrients. So we're talking very much about vitamin C, which I like to think is kind of the most humble but heroic vitamin that we've got, because it really is so inexpensive and so easy to get hold of. Um, Dr. Sarah Myhill in this country, um, from the very beginning of all of this, has been advising people to take a, a liter, a liter and a half bottle of water, um, put a teaspoon of ascorbic acid in there, so you've got your five grams in there, and you drink that through the day. So you get a divided dose that doesn't um, overload the gut um, because as anyone who's taken too much vitamin C, your most adverse, there you go, your most adverse um, effect is likely to be a loose bowel. Um, when you want to take higher doses, if you become infected, and it's not just with coronavirus, but if you get a cold or you start to slip down the slippery slope of any kind of infection, um, it's one of those magic medicines that... Um, that you just up your dose, you take divided doses. Sometimes you take that to bowel tolerance because when you have an infection, your body's need for vitamin C is huge. And you can take an awful lot more than you can when you're healthy because your, all your immune, you know, your, your macrophages, the little Pac-Man um, gobbling up um, all of the debris and, um, and, being, and creating all these oxidative bursts that are killing pathogens, um, your lymphocytes, uh, your neutrophils, they're all using a lot of vitamin C, recycling vitamin C. And um, they're also, vitamin C also powers 
um, the creation of nitric oxide as well and glutathione. So this whole... Can I just say, I, I think that's yeah. a, a key thing because you, there is this bowel tolerance issue. There's the yes. bowel tolerance and there's peeing it out to the two sort of standard comments that the, the, um, the, the medical profession make. And it's this idea that if you take anything, uh, this bowel tolerance will kick in and, and you'll all have to have three or four movements a day and how awful that would be and so on. But as you were saying very clearly, um, that's not what happens no. uh, when, you're, when you have a need for it. Uh, so it's a very sensible system. I mean, if drugs were able to, if you were able to give someone a drug, which um, when you weren't ill, was just sort of ticking over and maybe cutting your risk of doing something. And then if, if you did get into a problem, it then automatically triggered a much higher debt. I mean, it's a very remarkably sophisticated mechanism. Um, it is because it, it's, it's nature, isn't it? But also yeah. we should say vitamin C is a licensed drug as well. So, right. so presumably you know, for, for intravenous. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that sort of really has struck me is that what the way that this is handled demonstrates very clearly um, not only the fact that um, the uh, medical profession really don't have a grip on uh, nutrition and supplements and so on and, and what they can do to, I'd say a, to not, keep I'd you say healthy. I'd say not all of them because obviously integrative, right. functional, yeah. ecological doctors have been knowing this. But against the, well, how, many, how many GPs are there? 30,000 or something? I yeah, think it's a, a small proportion. <laughs> yes. um, and, you know, the ones that are great, fantastic. And the ones that don't get it, one can't really blame them because the culture of the NHS and, and the medical system is not to use them and they don't learn anything about them during their um, training, which is largely paid for by the drug companies, of course. Um, so there's this ignorance which must be damaging to an awful lot of people who could be helped and, and who are told that, that, you know, they need to take the drugs and there's really nothing else. Um, but the other thing about it that's really revealing, I think, is that the way that the, it's been responded to is to infantilize the population. There oh, is no suggestion yes. that any of us can do anything. What we have to do mm. is we A, have to follow these instructions, which, you know, absolutely vital, sensible for um, pandemics is you know, distancing and so on. But the idea there's anything that you can do in your home or while you're or if your nurse is on the front line, all this problem with, with the key workers, there's no suggestion that you might actually improve and support and help in a number of known ways their immune system. So they get caught up in this discussion about PPE and, and not enough masks and all the rest of it. Also important, but um, the, we are told just to wait until the drug comes along, which will solve it, 18 months or so, two years or more down the line, or the, the, va the, um, I, the vaccine. I, I absolutely um, could not agree more. I mean, we are, we're passionate about this. And, you know, if you're falling into this discussion, you and you don't know us, please check out um, www.covidzone.org, which you will be able to see um, we've been posting since um, the second week of March. Um, we do a weekly tracker. There are tons of articles. There are lots of videos and it's information just like Jerome's on his blog um, at healthinsightuk.org that you're not going to see 
on your TV anytime soon, in your newspapers, or in any of the mainstream. And I think you know, we're all united in this, that there is so much you can do for yourself at home. Um, your immune system is powered by nutrients, by your amount of sleep that you get, by how stressed you are, whether you're dealing with your fear and you're realizing that fear is a mental construct that doesn't exist. You know, your response to danger is very real, but fear is something that we make ourselves ill and we downregulate our immune system. Uh, but, can I just but, say that there's one other point on it, which is that um, the, the sort of irony of all of this is that we're being told to wait for the vaccine because that's going to really sort things out and so on. And I, I can't, the figures vary, but they're absolutely enormous. I mean, I've seen 14 billion pounds to get everybody the vaccine just for the one vaccine, which is mm. supposed to be in the lead and so on. But the irony of it is that vaccines work by activating the immune system. So if you well, they, they, that's that's the intention they're meant that, to do that. Yeah. that yes that's the idea is that you get you you the tell the immune system watch out for this virus and when it comes along you know get going but if you have a population that know nothing about what you need to do to keep your your immune system in a, in a good way for example the care system the care homes all of the elderly people sitting in care homes they will have very low levels of vitamin c they're unlikely to get more than the absolute minimum in their diet they won't be getting any vitamin d because very few of them are going to be out getting etc 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 so the one thing that the the, um, the, the, the the establishment who are completely sold on vaccines is missing out on is a major part of what makes vaccines work. You couldn't make it more ridiculous uh, if you tried. Exactly. And I think just to finish off, um, you and I have talked about this um, previously, uh, you know, um, outside of this, is the fact that um, we are seeing reports, it's coming out in papers now, doctors on the front line who are testing are able to say that people who are having very, very serious responses to um, coronavirus, their vitamin C levels are negligible. Their vitamin D levels are negligible. And, um, and you know, here you go, is you, 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 you don't have anything to power your immune system. I mean, obviously zinc, selenium, vitamin A, these are all incredibly important, but C and D are critical um, to, to mount an immune defense. So I think, you know, if nothing else, um, please take up the baton and um, realize that there is an awful lot that you can do from your own home base um, to be able to um, support your immune system to become more flexible. Would you agree? Last Absolutely. word, Jerome. Yes. What's your last, last word for us all? <laughs> well, there, there's a, a very good news story. There are some people who are actually raising money uh, to deliver uh, immune boosting packs of some, some minerals and vitamins to nurses uh, in hospitals. And there's one hospital um, at the moment, which um, um, it's, it's in Wrexham, I think. Don't know the details of it. But That's in the United Kingdom. Uh, yeah, in, in the, mm -hmm. and um, they have about 40 nurses who are critical care nurses who are taking these daily. And the, the report in terms of the um, morale is is great. I mean, they 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 feel people are looking looking after them. They feel there's something that they can do, um, and 
there's pretty good chance that it's going to make a big difference. You just have to look at, in China, they shipped in uh, 50 tons of vitamin C into Wuhan. They were using it uh, in high doses on the patients and they were giving it to all the frontline staff. I don't know details on the survival of the frontline staff, um, but it would seem very likely that they benefited hugely from it as well. So Correct. That, that's amazing. We will put a link um, as well to um, that, that action that's providing um, you know, immune packs for frontline workers, nutrients, so that you can follow that as well. Jerome, thank you so much for your time. As always, phenomenal. Please visit Jerome's blog, sign up. We're asking everybody to sign up for lists again. I know it's very old school to do that and receive email lists, but with the level of censorship that's out there now and the suppression with organic searching, if you're not signed up to the list, chances are you're missing out on some really, really key information. Great. Thank, thank, thank you, you so much. much, Jerome. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right.